Hey everybody, welcome to Living Forward. I am Kathy Baker and I am delighted that you're joining me for this lesson today in my series called The Healing Miracles of Jesus Then and Now. We are on lesson six, Jesus Heals Blind Bartimaeus. And our scripture passage is Mark 10 verses 46 to 52. This story is one of the greatest lessons on the subject of faith in all of God's Word. As we dig into this story, uh, I want you to begin thinking about some things that we will talk about as the lesson goes on. First of all, think about your inner dialogue as you're waiting, waiting for a medical appointment or a test result or any kind of report. What things do you tell yourself in the weight. That's the first thing to be thinking about. And the second is, have you ever felt sidelined, out of the loop, ignored? Uh, Felt like you have just been sitting something out and watching life happen? What is your inner dialogue when that occurs in your life? Because we're going to see um, the inner dialogue of Bartimaeus. We're going to speculate about that a little bit based on the scripture that we have. Well, the healing of Bartimaeus is particularly interesting because of the place it occupies in Jesus' ministry. It is the last healing recorded in the book of Mark. And Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem when our story begins. So let's look at Mark 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. Well, the story of Jesus healing a blind man takes place on the outskirts of the little city of Jericho. It's one of the more famous cities mentioned in the Bible. Remember, it's mentioned in the Old Testament um, in Joshua and is connected to the Israelite invasion of the Promised Land. I have really great memories of Jericho It's near the Winter Palace of Herod the Great. It's close to the Jordan River, and it's the site uh, when the walls of Jericho fell and the temptation of Christ took place just uh, right there near Jericho. And it has perhaps the best hummus and limeade I've ever had. (laughs) So it, it holds a special place for me for personal reasons and also for the place it holds in Scripture. The New Testament Jericho in the time of Jesus was a gateway to Jerusalem. Jesus was only 15 miles from his goal when he was in Jericho, his goal being Jerusalem, and his face was now set to the cross. Well, Jesus so was passing through the city of Jericho on his way to Jerusalem where he knew he would be arrested and crucified by the high priest in just a few days. In fact, Luke 9 verse 51 says, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So aware of the suffering and the agony that awaited him in Jerusalem, Jesus had focused his mind on that difficult task that lay before him. So that's what is ahead of Jesus. But now we're back to Jericho, and we continue to read verse 46. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man 
Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, I think Bartimaeus, sitting there in the sidelines, is probably the smartest man in Jericho. He is sitting by the side of the road on the outside of the city gates of Jericho, and he did such a wise thing, something that perhaps I struggle with and maybe you do too. He kept his mouth shut for a long time. He was observing for a long time what was happening there on the outskirts as people passed by. He kept his mouth closed, his ears open. He began to listen to what was going on around him. He thought about what he heard, and he reasoned it all together and began to put some puzzle pieces together. He was thinking deeply. Bartimaeus was pondering, and he was planning because he had heard stories about this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, it's been nearly three years and the, since Jesus began his ministry, and the news of Jesus and his ministry had flowed in from every direction. We, we would say it had gone viral, wouldn't we? That's what we would say today. Bartimaeus had certainly heard the stories of Jesus healing other blind men and how he had caused lame people to walk, and he had caused the deaf to hear. He had heard the stories of miracles, and I imagine that he started to believe that this same type of miracle could be performed on him. Now, let's imagine, let's use our holy imagination to think about Bart's inner dialogue. What is the story, Bart, a forgive me for the abbreviation, Bart's dialogue. What story is he telling himself every day? He says, hmm, I've heard there is a man named Jesus. Now, he's been to Jericho many times, and I've missed him each time. Well, next time Jesus comes to Jericho, I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to give him this opportunity an opportunity to change my life. I really need to pay attention. I need to listen to what people are saying. I need to watch what's going on. I'm willing to do it. It's very important to me. I need to pay attention, and I need to be ready when this Jesus comes by. See, that must have been the inner dialogue he was telling. Now, we know it must sound something like that because of what he says when Jesus comes. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we'll dig in a little bit more in just a minute about that recognition of who Jesus is. So he was ready with the words when Jesus came by. Those were the thoughts that he had. You know, our inner dialogue is very important, isn't it? Our inner dialogue is the story we tell ourselves. And we wonder if our inner dialogue would have been as positive and proactive as Bartimaeus's dialogue was. Is our dialogue filtered with what we learn in Philippians 4 verse 8? 
whatever's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, admirable, and whatever is excellent and worthy of praise? If so, that will be the story we live even though we're in circumstances that aren't so pure and lovely and admirable. So when we're sitting on the sidelines wrapped up in our cloak, hearing stories of Jesus and what he's done for other people, what are we telling ourselves? Are our words filled with faith and possibilities about what God can do for and through us? Or are we saying something else? Are we saying things that sound like this? Well, that never happens to me. Why don't I ever get a break? Why do other blind people get the breaks? And why do other deaf people always get to have a miracle? You know, why can't it happen to me? It's never my turn. I, I'm sure that, uh, that he, if he came by my town, he wouldn't see me. What is the story we're telling ourselves? Um, do you know what's inter- so interesting? I'm sure there were other blind people sitting near Bartimaeus. But we don't hear of them calling out to Jesus. I'm sure there were other people there who needed a healing, but we don't hear of them calling out to Jesus. Maybe they did. We don't know. But we don't hear the, of that in the story How many, though, of those who were there had heard the same stories, but they were not filled with hope and desire to have faith that Jesus offered? I wonder what they were telling themselves. Were any of them using their blindness as an excuse for not changing? Did they say something like this? I'm blind, so I can't do anything. Jesus can't help me. Nobody ever notices me. I'll never change. I'll just sit here from now until the end of time, and I will just continue to beg, and I will just kind of live my life on the sidelines. Do we ever just hide behind our own infirmities? Do we lack our own faith and a desire to let Jesus work in us and through us, even through our unfortunate circumstances? Or do we begin to come up with excuses, whatever they might be? I don't have those skills, and I don't have the talents that other people have for Jesus to come and and work through me and to help others. I can never be like her. Are we telling those things that, that when Jesus is offering to help us and encourage us and heal us, are we giving him reasons not to? You know, I know uh, that I hear this um, sometimes. I'm just too old. I can't change. You know, it's too late for me. It's too late for me to, to let God work through me in some wonderful way. You know, my father died at 86, and he could still take a computer apart and put it back together. He was still teaching a Sunday school class, and he was learning Greek. You know, we grew up with this role model for learning and adapting and growing at any age. But often people use age as an excuse, just as those around Bartimaeus may have been using their age as an excuse 
or their blindness or their deafness as an excuse? Do we become accustomed to our infirmities, whether they're physical, emotional, and mental? And we just don't have the faith that we can ever change. And we start looking at Jesus as someone who's there for others. Do we find that we're not looking at Jesus the way Bartimaeus did? As the hope. We often have real physical, financial, or skill-based limitations. And there are things that we are not able to do, all of us. But what God can do for us and through us is absolutely limitless. Bartimaeus had faith that Jesus could do something for him. He knew it. That was the story he was telling himself. So when he realized that it was Jesus who was passing by that day, he cried out with all his might. Imagine how that sounded, him calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, now Jesus must not have noticed the man sitting on the side of the road initially as he passed through Jericho for his last time, but something got his attention and and he stopped. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar who was sitting in the dirt at the rear of a large crowd, cried out and got Jesus' attention. Wow. He stopped. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar who was sitting in the dirt, had cried out and Jesus stopped. Jesus cried, Bartimaeus cried, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And then look at this version. It says, now, I need you now, Jesus. Well, we want to see what the onlookers did. They were silencing him. Verse 48 tells us, many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. So the crowd of onlookers became angry at his cries, and they tried to silence him. Notice that Bartimaeus called Jesus the son of David. The son of David was the promised one. Uh, The um, son of David was the one that had been promised throughout prophecy, and and, uh, he was was called the son of David. And Bartimaeus knew that. You see, that's how we know he had been listening as Jesus came through town and as others talked about him. Jesus was born in David's city, Bethlehem. And the fact that this blind man called Jesus by this title shows that he recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Do you see how Bartimaeus was waiting for Jesus to come by so he could recognize him as the Messiah? And those around him were rebuking him, telling them to be quiet. But look at what he did. In spite of that kind of rejection and that kind of uh, response and reaction from those around, he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on him. Now the people were hushing him. You know, it's what I told my children. Stop, you're making a scene when we're out in public. 
I would say, stop your ma- <clears throat> making a scene. I told that to my grandson the other day. It, it's what I often tell my sister. <laughs> and, and well, truth be told, I still tell her, straighten up <laughs> as I'm nudging her elbow. <laughs> oh, because we get tickled and we laugh inappropriately sometimes. Well, people tried to stop the blind man from shouting the title. You know, perhaps they feared he was a rabble-rouser. Maybe they thought he would create too much of a commotion. Maybe the cries of the blind beggar made them uncomfortable. You know, in the story that Mark tells us, the people's attempt to stop the blind man from calling upon Jesus is a challenge to his faith, isn't it? They're trying to squell his enthusiasm. They're telling him, shush, shush. Isn't that also a test of faith? When you're trying to to recognize Jesus and you're trying to acknowledge him and maybe you're telling others and others are telling you, I don't want to hear that. No, that's too far-fetched. No, you you need to, to calm down on that story. It's not quite believable. And that's a challenge to the faith. Another version says, many rebuked him. The Amplified Version says, and many severely censured and reproved him, telling him to keep still. The NASB says, many were sternly telling him to be quiet. So you see, it's gone from just a shush to a be quiet and get in your place, know who you are, move back to the sideline. Bartimaeus was emotional. And some people are not comfortable with outbursts of emotions. Is that true today? See, maybe they wanted this visit of Jesus through Jericho to be conducted with dignity and respect. So they used intimidation to quiet the man's emotions. It sounds like the conflict went on for a few minutes. And the louder they protested, the louder he shouted for the son of David to have mercy on him. Bartimaeus persisted his request for mercy. He is, he is not being shushed. He is moving forward in his faith, telling Jesus, I know who you are. In doing so, he was silencing the objectors. Because here's how I see Bartimaeus. I see that his desire was greater than the objections. His desire was greater than the barriers. Is your desire affected by your barriers? Do barriers get in the way of your desires? Well, well, let's look at some barriers we deal with. Often our barriers are other people. Do people try to prevent you from growing in your faith? Are there people in your life who just want to keep you the same? Don't change. Don't grow. Are they afraid that you, if you draw closer to Christ, you'll grow further away from them? Are there people who want to just keep you defeated? Are there people who want to keep you on the sidelines? quiet and in your place? Do people want to keep you comfortable and living in your status quo? 
Are there people who just want to keep you blind, quiet, and in the background? Do people label you, put you in a category, and not want you to change? Do others get upset if you want to move forward and make changes when they want to just stay the same? Think for a few moments about any barriers that keep people from moving forward in their faith walk. What are some of those barriers? Uh, Are people not moving forward in their faith walk because of other people, because of personal issues, because of their own lack of resolve, apathy? Or are there other things that keep people living in their blindness? The people of Jericho had become accustomed to the blind man sitting in the dirt in the background, invisible and removed from their own normalcy. They had stepped over him many times on their way, their way. See, they labeled him the beggar, and in their minds, he would always be a beggar. But Bartimaeus was tired of being the beggar. He had a desire to make a change, and he had been thinking about it for a while. He just needed an opportunity. He needed to get beyond obstacles and barriers. So he has called out to Jesus continually, and look at what happens in verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it reminds me of the game show. Come on down, (laughs) your name is next. Come on down. Truth or, no, it's not truth or consequences. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, just write it down. (laughs) You are called, cheer up. Jesus stopped and he gave that order. Call him. He responded to the man's cry for help. Call him were the life-changing words. Jesus gave him notice and an opportunity. Jesus, with those two words, put an end to the criticism. He gave the man an opportunity to respond. You know, he always gives us this opportunity also. It's found in Matthew 7, verse 7. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Asking, seeking, knocking. Those three are always answered. And then we get to choose what we do next. So here here was Bartimaeus' opportunity. And let's see what he did. So Jesus said... Call him, and the disciple said, come on, you're up. You're up next. And in verse 50, we see what he did. He threw his cloak aside, jumped to his feet, and came to Jesus. There's that action he did. For the Jew, the cloak served many purposes. It was used as a blanket for sleeping outdoors. You see, this term cloak is also the mat that we've heard about in so many stories. Uh, See, that this cloak could be worn as a covering against the sun when traveling, so it could be put over the head, or you could sleep uh, over it. It could be used for warmth. 
For a blind beggar, it served as a blanket to sit on so that people could throw their alms. It could serve as an indication of great excitement right now. Perhaps it may also be interpreted as now a symbol because he throws the cloak off. He is leaving his former life as he approaches Jesus. See, Bartimaeus could have picked up that cloak, that robe, or that mat and carried it with him. But this was the thing that for Bartimaeus was his protection and his security blanket, but he didn't keep it. He cast it aside. He believed, he trusted, he had faith that Jesus was his answer. He acted differently, didn't he? When we have faith, we act differently. We don't rely on the things of this world. We leave them behind as Bartimaeus did. Bartimaeus left his past behind. And then Jesus asked him what seems to be an unusual question, but we're used to that from Jesus, aren't we? Verse 51 says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. The King James Version says, what will thou that I should do unto thee? Well, everyone could clearly see that man was blind and that he would want to see. But let's look at that word wilt in the King James Version. What wilt thou that I should do? Well, the word wilt is the Greek word ethelio, and it means desire, determine, or purpose. What do you desire? What do you determine? What is your purpose? Jesus wanted the man to claim out loud what he desired on that very day. Isn't that an important lesson for us? What is it you desire? Jesus asked this kind of question of others. What is it you want from me? What is your purpose? You see, it's often when we can figure out what we really need from Jesus that we get what we need from Jesus because we ask it appropriately. He wants us to tell us what is our deepest desire, our deepest need for him. Jesus wanted to hear Bartimaeus express his faith, his desire. And what he wanted was to hear Bartimaeus knock. Have you ever been so desirous of something that you could just taste it? You, you could feel it? You wanted something so badly that you were willing to do anything to get it. Can you just imagine Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road day after day, hearing passersby talk about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David? He must have pondered the possibility that Jesus could wander by him. He must have imagined a scenario of him approaching Jesus and sharing his desire to be made whole. Do you imagine he practiced this and he rehearsed this and he was ready when the opportunity presented itself? Maybe this thought gave him that passion, his purpose for living. So when Jesus arrived, Bartimaeus was ready. He left at the chance to talk with Jesus. Uh, PGA champion Jason Duffner was asked what were his thoughts as he faced the final hole. He said he practiced shots like that one over and over. 
He said he practiced so that when the time came to hit the shots, he was reacting with experience. He could focus on the shot because that's what he had prepared to do. Bartimaeus must have practiced his scenario with Jesus because when the time came, he was ready to ask. A bigger question of concern is why hasn't anyone else, why wasn't anyone else crying out with the same determination as Bartimaeus? You know, we are all at different places on our journey and some are ready for Christ before others. Don't you find that interesting? Like many of you who are listening to this are so desirous of a close walk with Jesus. You're so hungry for the word. You're so passionate about learning scripture and understanding the purpose of scripture and the purpose that Jesus has in your life. And it's hard to understand that there are not others wanting this same uh, passion that you have, but we're all in a different place. But look what Jesus said to Bartimaeus in verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Stay with me here because it gets so exciting at the end of the story. The King James Version says, and followed Jesus in the way. Well, let's now look at what Jesus said. The first thing he said was, go. It's always our command after we receive reconciliation and healing from him. Go. It implies we follow him and live for him and help others to live for him. We go and do and be and become. And then he says this, it is your faith that has healed you. It's your faith, Bartimaeus. See, I know. I know what you've been doing and dealing with over these last years as I've missed you when I came by. But I see, I see by your eagerness and how you outshouted all of the shouters. I could tell you wanted something more. I could see it. See, that Greek word for faith is pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. The blind man had demonstrated his conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the healer, the one he says he is, and through whom we obtain eternal salvation. That's what Jesus was telling him. Your faith, your pistis, is what healed you. And then the word for healing is sozo. And that means to keep safe and sound from danger or destruction, to save one suffering from disease, to make someone well and heal and restore to health. And Jesus said, your pistis has sozo you. Your faith is what has healed you, Bartimaeus. Jesus told Bartimaeus that he had enough faith to transform his life. That's the faith I want. I want to be so bold in my, my faith in Jesus Christ, that he will do what he says he will do for me, in me, and through me. Bartimaeus had the desire, the passion, the guts to change his life. And in doing so, he received 
sight. And then he followed Jesus. Notice what it says there at the end that we just skim over often. And he followed Jesus in the way. Some versions say followed him on the road. Now imagine this once blind man spent years on the sidelines, begging, looking for a way out, hatching a plan, waiting for the moment to approach Jesus. Then it happened. Jesus turned Bartimaeus's obstacle into his opportunity with a holy interruption. Oh, go think about that. <laughs> As a result, he followed Jesus on the way. Do you know what that means, on the way? Well, go with me to the very next passage in the book of Mark. It is chapter 11, verse 1. This is where Jesus goes on the way. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs it and will return it soon. Are you figuring out the next scene that we read in the book of Mark is Jesus' triumphal entry. This is Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of what we call Holy Week. This is the road to the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me here. It is highly possible the man formerly known as blind Bartimaeus and now Bartimaeus the healed one, the one who at one time couldn't see, has now become an eyewitness to the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Maybe even his trial, maybe his crucifixion, and maybe his resurrection. It is possible. The once blind man got to be an eyewitness. Is that not just the most remarkable thing you can ponder today? Whatever our blindness or our blind spot, our obstacle or our obstinance, whatever our reluctance or our resistance, Jesus wants us also to experience sozo, full healing and wholeness, but it takes our pistis, our faith that Jesus is who he says he is, our redeemer and healer, and wants us to be an eyewitness to his wonders. Will we do as Bartimaeus did and boldly call out to him, Lord have mercy on me. And then will we throw off our cloak of shame, guilt, pride, or any other hindrance and tell him our need? And then will we follow him in the way? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you gave us the way you gave us your son as the way to be redeemed. You gave us him 
so that we would have a way back to you. Help us, Father, as we find ourselves on the sidelines of any situation and any circumstance of life where we're confused or hindered or in any way separated from you or others. Help us to call out for your grace and mercy and love and peace and be drawn back to you. And then help us to walk with you in the way and see the beautiful wonders that we can behold. It is in the name of Jesus, your son, I pray. Amen.